If you can, please turn to page 669 in your pew Bible and read along with me. Reading 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. And this section is entitled, David's Plans for the Temple. David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the brave warriors. King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name, because you are a warrior and have shed blood. Yet the Lord... The God of Israel chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as leader, and from the house of Judah he chose my family, and from my father's sons he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswerving in carrying out my commands and laws, as is being done at this time. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord, And in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which is good in life. All right, so I am... And, uh, and I know that, um, he has a tendency to not preach behind the pulpit. So as, as a little baby step towards that today, I'm going to try to prepare you guys for, for Pastor Evan's arrival. Uh, so, you know, our styles are going to be a little different, but hopefully it's, it's that stepping stone. But this is actually the second part, uh, to a sermon, uh, that I, I did back in, uh, in January. Uh, so this is, you know, we kind of just felt like there wasn't enough time to cover everything. Uh, so if you do want to uh, go back and check that out, it's, it's, it's worth it. Of course, the preacher would say that it's worth going back and listening to his old sermons. But uh, um, you, can, uh, you can find it on our Facebook or YouTube pages, and I believe it's uh, January 9th was the first part. But in, in that first part, we talked from First Chronicles uh, chapter 28 and 29. And in those chapters, David is nearing the end of his life. He's nearing the end of his life, and even though he had this strong desire to build this temple, this place where where heaven and earth can meet. God said, you know what? Sorry, David. You're not the one that's going to build my temple. One of my sons would, right? And so we, if you remember, Solomon 
was a son who built the physical temple, right? The physical place. And then eventually Jesus would be the son to build that eternal temple, right? To, to, to have that, that eternal place where, where heaven and earth can meet. And so David's nearing the end of his life and he's wanting to leave his son instructions, provisions, and, and a legacy for Solomon to follow. And so the, the, the first part we talked about a legacy of repentance that David left behind for Solomon. And how even before there was any sort of physical foundations, David wanted to leave a spiritual foundation. A foundation of, of repentance and humility. And that's important, right? We, we talked about how important uh, repentance really is. And, and, and if, if we want to build our church, right? If, we're, if we want to join in in God's work here, it starts with repentance and humility. Right? But, but there is another legacy that David left to his son Solomon. And it's the legacy of worshiping God in community. Being God in community. Let me just read uh, chapter, sorry, uh, chapter 28 once more of, uh, and, and verse 8. Um, and this is David speaking to all the elders in the assembly, right? And he says it once more. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. So David is basically addressing the entire congregation. And he's saying, look, folks, it's going to take an entire village. There's a big project. There's something big that God wants to do. But we need all hands on deck. We need all hands on deck. And so David loved this idea. He loved this idea of corporate worship. Of God. You know, it may, maybe it's because he was a worship leader, right? And worship leaders, they, they know the power of, of people coming together, worshiping God. You know, did you remember when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back to, uh, towards Jerusalem? David basically threw one of those, like, uh, New Orleans, like, uh, what do they call them? Like the, the, uh, drum lines or whatever. Like, you know, he's coming in and he's dancing and he's having a good, good old time. He recognized that there is power in, in corporate worship and responsive songs that we sing together. He knew that worship is a powerful weapon against the enemy. But why would David then find, find it important to, to worship God together in community? I mean, why even bother with that, right? We, we live in such a individualized or individualistic kind of world. Why even bother with community? You know, isn't salvation a personal choice? Isn't God everywhere? Why, why do I have to deal with people? Why worship God in community? Well, I think that there are a few things, right? But one of the first things that, that I want to address is the fact that there are just certain things that we can't do alone, right? Have you ever tried to play uh, like a team sport, like uh, let's say baseball, Right, like like Lily had a bump on there, but now you're playing every position. So you got to throw the ball and then run really fast and then try to hit it and then oh, you know, then you got to go running after the ball. Ugh, super exhausting, right? There there are just certain things. Imagine, think of think of Solomon for a second. With this, he's got this task of building this temple, and so he just starts getting to it. Well, I better pick up this giant stone and bring it over. All right. Oh, oh I got to cut down a few trees. You know, imagine Solomon here. 
he, he's starting to, you know, place every single precious stone one at a time. He, he's weaving every curtain that's needed for the temple. Boy, he'd be working still to this day, trying to complete the temple. But not only that, though, he'd have to be an expert in everything. He'd have to be an expert, right? He'd probably alienate people that, that would be like masons or like artists, people that are really, really good at that sort of thing. They, they wouldn't feel like they had a place in the temple or, or, you know, or anywhere really because it's, it's Solomon's thing. It's Solomon's project. We're all tempted to do when we have to do everything ourselves. We cut corners, right? He'd be tempted to, to, uh, stray from God's very specific directions. Right? And, and here's the thing with that is that it's much harder to do that. It's much harder to stray from God's instructions when we don't have a community around us saying, hey, wait a minute, that's not the way God wants us to do it. One, where we recognize that God loves it when his children are working together. You know, I think this is why one of the reasons why Jesus prayed for it, even as he's staring down his own death. He prayed for us to be united, to have unity. To, to have that be like a, a sign of, of God's love towards others. And it's impossible to show that that love of unity by yourself. You know, let's, let's go back to confession, right? We talked about confession the, the last time I was, I, was, I was speaking. And, you know, look, it, it's easier to confess when you're all alone, right? It's easy to say, like, oh boy, yeah, I, I really messed up. But when you involve someone else, boy, it's tougher, but it's way more effective. And it's effective because now you have some, somebody that's praying for you. Somebody that, that can counsel you. Somebody that, you know, just is, is on their face, uh, interceding with God for you. You know, it, it's just way too easy to kind of sweep things under the rug when it's just us. And so that's why community still matters. That's why the church still matters. We need help, and, and I think one of the main ways that God gives us help is by sending us people in order to receive it. And so that brings us to the second reason why I, I think worshiping in God, worshiping God in community still matters. Why the church still matters. It's good for us. It's good for us. You know, I, I think that the last two or three years, I've really made that clear for us, right? The importance of community. The importance of presence. The importance of a hug. Of a smile. Of friendship. God's hardwired us for community. You know, and it's evident in the, in the benefits that we get from each other when we're in community, right? I've, I've already talked a little bit about, you know, the, the fact that different people have different gifts and so then the burden is shared. It doesn't all fall on you. And, you know, just th- think of how easy it is to, to get burnt out, right? But we get so many other benefits beyond just not burning out from worshiping God in community. Th- think about encouragement, right? The sports world is knows this, right? It's been played out over and over again. Athletes talk about it all the time, that there's this energy, there's this edge this advantage, this home field advantage. There's something energizing about knowing you're not alone and, and in pursuing a goal together. 
There's a, a positive peer pressure there. You know, and, and for the times of discouragement or times that we're afraid, gosh, that those are <laughs> just going to happen, right? Having a community is sometimes like the only thing that's going to get you through. Sometimes it's the only thing that gets you out of your funk. You know, I, I remember that for me as a teenager, you know, just really, really struggling with stuff. But I had some godly people in my life that said, hey, God woke me up to pray for you. You know, I was also reminded of this, you know, just even last week. Now, I was, I was speaking to some brothers and sisters uh, from, from our church here. And, um, and you know, to, to be honest, be a little transparent here, we're, we're not as close as we used to be. Like, I, I don't know where, where the divide or the weirdness came in, but, but I confess it, it kind of felt like an injury that didn't heal quite right. You ever had that, like a, a finger that just maybe, <laughs> it just never set, and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's almost like a little reminder um, that there, there's, some, there's some pain still there. You know, and I don't, I don't know where the tension came in or, or, or where this injury occurred. You know, probably happened during COVID, because let's be honest, we all had a lot of divisions just come up between us in the last few years. You know, but we got to talking about families. And we got to talking about difficulties that arise among family members. And, you know, the, the wounds that sometimes we experience because of family members. And immediately, like the awkwardness, the hurt, the injury, it was gone. It was gone because I, I came to this realization. You know, there was this realization that, gosh, we're, we're just broken people that need Jesus. You know, whatever sort of awkwardness or division, that, that went away because I found this commonality. We needed Jesus. We're just people that need Jesus. And then suddenly I, I wasn't alone anymore. You see, church, church still matters. You know, the, 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 there's going to be times where you're going to need to borrow someone's faith, right? You, you're going to need to... Uh, just like the Israelites needed Caleb and, and Jacob, or I'm sorry, and Joshua to encourage them when some of their leaders got really, really afraid and didn't want to go into the promised land. You know, there's going to be times where you need to be the Caleb's, where you need to be the ones encouraging the others around you, saying, hey, wait a minute, I know it seems tough, but God has something good. Let's get in. Let's go for it. You know, but there, there's also times where you're going to have to be the vulnerable one. Where, where you admit and be honest to those around you, because you know what that does? It mobilizes others to start ministering to you. Jesus understood this. He understood the need to, to be transparent, to be honest. You know, he said this to his disciples in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, My soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Boy, Jesus was, was willing to be vulnerable. And, and so should we, right? He understood the importance of community. Because church still matters. His body still matters. And, and you know what? It, it matters because here's where the rubber meets the road in terms of our faith. Right? Worshiping God in community is how we live about God. And then we get into, we step into real life. You know, it's easy to talk about love and righteousness and faith 
and, and forgiveness when you don't actually have to deal with people. <laughs> right? Like, if, if I never had to deal with any other person or, or teenager or, or, or anybody, right? I, I think I'd be a, sorry, sorry, Riley. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'd be a pretty good person. I might give Jesus a run for his money. No, I'm kidding. I would not, right? But I'd, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself. Oh, I just need to believe the right things. That's easy. That's easy. But you can't practice forgiveness at a distance. Mercy is not doled out, you know, like a, you know, a football. <laughs> you can't do it living inside of a bubble. You know, when you love someone from afar, you, you, you just can't do that. You have to do it the way that Jesus did. And Jesus, he got up close. He lived with and walked with others. And we have to do the same, right? And you know, I bet, I bet that this is why Jesus loved talking to those self-righteous people. Right? The ones that thought they had it all figured out. <laughs> he, he just loved taking like a battle axe, woof, right to that, that little comfortable bubble that they've, they've made for themselves. You know, do, do you guys remember the, the story of the Good Samaritan? I know Lydia addressed it. Let's, let's actually turn to that in, in your pew Bibles, if, if you would. Um, it's Luke chapter 10, 20, uh, verses 25 through 37. It's page 1612. Or 1,612 in your pew Bible. Right? So we're, we're just going to look at this to, to, to see how we can take this theoretical thing and, and bring it practically. Right? So it's page 612. It's uh, Luke chapter 10. And I'll read and you can follow along. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he, he asked, what must I do to inter- inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pause there. Boy, this this guy's pretty good. This guy must have gotten like all the stars in Sunday school, right? Okay. You answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Now, Now watch this. This is the pivot point of this passage. Right? Verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. <laughs> you see, he was only living theoretically there, right? It's easy to be a good person when you're just kind of in your mind, right? But he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Oh, big mistake. <laughs> this guy must be a rookie. You're asking Jesus a question? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. I imagine Jesus looking at this guy, kind of rubbing his hands together like there's this meme out there where there's this guy kind of like, oh boy, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him, right? Let's, let's read verse 30 here. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, another righteous person, when he came to the place and saw him, pass on the other side. But a Samaritan, an enemy, someone from the other party, somebody we don't associate with, maybe the way that Ukrainians and Russians see each other, okay? 
just, just for context. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which one of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You see, this, this is why, this is why community still matters. This is why the church still matters. You know, scripture encourages us to be patient, to forgive, to love, and all of that happens in community with people. And it's usually people who live a life totally different from yours or maybe have a different perspective than yours. And yet we come together recognizing that that it's Christ who brings us peace. You know, peace with God first and then then with each other. Uh, gosh, do you remember do you remember what the purpose of the temple was? Do you remember? Look, it, it was supposed to be it was supposed to be like the Garden of Eden, right? The place where heaven and earth overlap. In fact, when you read about the tabernacle and the temple and all the things that were in there, all the symbols and, and language, it is like talking about the Garden of Eden again. There's fruits, there's, you know, uh, rivers, right? And it's a place where God and man could have fellowship, but then it was also the place where man and man could have fellowship. And so church, when it's done right, it can be, it can be like a little taste of, of that garden again. So church still matters because, you know, we need practice for heaven. And that, that only happens in community. And I understand for those of you watching at home that haven't been able to be in a physical community, there's still ways to engage. And, and I thank you for engaging in those ways. I encourage you to continue to, you know, put comments in, in the comment section to each other. It's awesome to see uh, the interaction there, right? You know, so, so look, that, that's some of the why about why God wants us to be worshiping in, in community, right? And then that's great, but that still feels a little th- theoretical, doesn't it? Uh, it's like, come on, g- give me something to, to go off of. All right, so, so don't worry. I've got, I've got three, three things, three practical tips that make it real for us, and it's going to go quick, right? Number one, number one is expect to be hurt. What? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, I just thought that you mentioned church being like this place of love and peace and joy. It's like we're all on a lazy river of love, just kind of you know flowing through here and stuff. That's actually maybe not the best image because the lazy river, you got feet in your face and people slashing you and stuff like that. Well, actually, that, that might be closer to what church is like sometimes, right? What, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by expect to be hurt? Why should we do that? Are you kidding me? Why would I ever show up? If, if I'm going to expect it to, to be hurt. Well, it's, it's because that's what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus knew that he was coming into the world to suffer alongside sinners. He knew that he was going to have to put up with, uh, you know, people abusing him, um, you know, uh, telling lies, spreading rumors about him and stuff, refusing to listen to him. 
you know, Jesus knew that living around sinners means that at some point or other, you're going to get hurt. You know, Jesus expected to get hurt by humans, and, and so should we. You, you know, like go, going to church and not expecting to run into um, a hurting, broken, sinful person, imperfect person, is like walking into a hospital and not expecting to see anybody sick. It's crazy. You know, but, but how did Jesus respond to this? You know, he responded with a second practical step. He responded by committing. He committed. He said, no, no, I'm still, I'm still gonna engage. I know that there's hurt there, but I'm gonna choose to commit. And I think he knew this because commitment, commitment is, is where magic happens, right? Commitment gives love an opportunity to grow. You know, so look, on, on our wedding day, Lydia and I, we, we said a lot that we had so many feelings, all wonderful feelings of love, right? Well, we had this beautiful setting. We said beautiful words to each other. Oh, wonderful, right? Well, look, it, it was a long day. <laughs> Weddings are long, long days. And so, um, that, that night as, as we're, uh, in our hotel preparing for our flight to Puerto Rico, I thought, you know what? Let me, let me continue this pattern of love. I'm going to be this loving, uh, dedicated, uh, husband and I'm going to go and get us some snacks. As, as Lyd gets into her PJs, right? And so I, I, I come back a few minutes later into the room with a bag of, of peanut M&Ms and a bag of pretzels. Oh, but then I forgot to get something to drink, right? So I'm like, okay. Well, uh, I, I tell Lyd, hey, um, you know, I, I'm just going to go get the drinks, uh, and then we can come back, we can snack together, and we can talk about the day and just d- debrief and everything, right? So I, I, I return a few minutes later. And with the drinks, and, and I find my lovely new bride has eaten both bags of snacks, and, and she was fast asleep. And, and immediately I thought, who is this monster? <laughs> I've been betrayed, right? <laughs> and, and, and so I did what any good newlywed husband would do. I stole the sheets. Um, to which, <laughs> to which I'm sure Lydia thought, who is this monster? I've been betrayed. <laughs> now, look, I, I know those are just silly, uh, you know, kind of examples, but there's definitely been more serious incidents that we've had, incidents of hurt towards each other, where perhaps one of us looked at the other and thought, oh my gosh, who did I, who did I marry? Who is this monster? But, but you know what? Thank God. Thank God for those commitments that we made to Him and to each other. Because without that commitment, without that, we would miss those, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I'm so lucky to be married to that person. It's commitment that leads to that love. And I think in our world, if I'm honest, it is switched. It's switch. It's let's feel good and then commit. It's going to leave that where it's at. You know, our commitment to each other, it helps, it helps us to weather those storms, right? The, weather those storms and then we can arrive at that place where forgiveness and healing, it can cover over all those, those hurts and sins. Commitment is where the magic happens. 
Look, in a church, you can expect, expect that someone is going to hurt you or disappoint you. I know I've done it for people in this room. Guess what? You've done it to me too. <laughs> but it's in, 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 in those moments where we commit and, and, and forgive one another. You know, we, we all work and wish for, for those times of hurting to not happen. You know, but, but when those, those times do happen, let's follow Jesus' ex- example. I know it's a novel thing to say inside of a church, but it, let's follow Jesus' example because he chose to forgive. He chose to commit. He chose to love. Gosh, I, I really, I was, I was moved by this, this quote this week that somebody posted, uh, th- that's attributed to Mother Teresa. And she, she wrote this or said this. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people will accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have and it may not be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. It's pretty good, right? You know, which brings us to our, our, our final practical step to making worshiping God and community doable, and that's you participate. You participate. You get in there. You show up. Thank you guys for showing up today. <laughs> right? And and you, you watching at home. You see, Solomon... Solomon was going to have those times where he was called to lead, right? Where he was, he was called to be there and be the leader. But there, there were also times where Solomon would have to follow. He'd have to yield to others, right? Being a part of a community requires that you get involved. That you share what you have with others. But that you're also humble enough to receive what others are offering to you. Right? Do you get that? That's, that's both and. We see this throughout so many passages in Scripture, like uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14.26, where Paul encourages the Corinthian church. He says this, When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. See, God has a place for you in his kingdom. There's no one that's overlooked. There's no one that is just on the sidelines. The only question is, are you willing to be a part of what God is building? God loves it when his his children come together to do his will. It's good for us and it's good for creation. And that's why community still matters. That's why church still matters. Gosh, we've, we felt it over the last few years, right? We felt it. We felt this, this need, this, this hurt. But I believe that God is a healer. And I think he's a redeemer. And I think that healing and redemption can start in our church. But are you on board? Because community still matters and church still matters.
Let's pray. Lord, our God, we thank you so very much that we could be in community with you, Lord, because of your great sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being that perfect son of David. It wasn't Solomon, it's you, Lord. And you are building us to be your temple, your body, Lord. So help us, O God, to commit ourselves to you, first and foremost. Lord, if there's anybody that feels like they're on the outskirts or that they have no place, no room in, in your temple or in your plans, Father, may, may they know without a shadow of a doubt that your blood covers over all of our sins. Jesus, your, your blood takes away that stain. We can enter in boldly into, into your temple. Help us, Lord God. Help us to, to be gentle and kind with one another to lift each other up, to share with each other. We thank you for hearing us, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are going to be doing a work within heaven, even as, as we pray right now. God, we ask that you would give him wisdom, give the leadership of this church wisdom, that we would go forth and, and do your will in this area and across the world. We thank you, God, for for not overlooking us, but drawing us into into your plans and into your kingdom. We give you praise through Jesus our Lord. Amen.